0: It's so for George's guy, he comes and goes, and you think he's there, and he's, he's actually scooting around someplace else. <laughs> and nice. then he pops in, yeah. but at least he listens to your pods anyway. Yeah, he, he Recorded live.
1: Scuba Obsessed Weekly Podcast. We talk about all things scuba diving from cool new gear, places to dive, and scuba news. Scoob Obsessed episode 234 is recorded live March 19th, 2015. Welcome back to Scuba Obsessed. I'm Darren Jilson coming to you from the almost spring side of the great state of the... I was going to say great state of the Lake of Michigan, but I, I guess you could... Word it that way. Joining me this week, we have Mac the Dive Mentor. How are you doing today, Mac?
0: I'm doing very well, thank you. Glad to be here, enjoying the relatively warm weather and water and not seeing snow.
1: So, you don't have any snow uh, around your place?
0: Well, I mean, if you look under the, sh- the bushes and then the shade and then the shadows and the little valleys, you'll find just a little bit. But I understand we may have a little sprinkling of rain tonight, which means it's got to be gone
1: going to be gone. I, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to that.
0: Well, Lake Michigan is not. It's all still. Well, that, That's where it's
1: this time of year where it seems like everything's flipped. Where we used to have thawed water and snow on the banks, now we've got grass starting to peak up and we still have ice in the ponds.
0: Well, I don't know about the grass peaking up, but I know them damn moles are running around my yard and I hate those little blanks <laughs> I'm going to give me a real sharp pitchfork with about five tines and just run through my yard but then again, my neighbors are used to me being a little strange. So,
1: I'm tearing what, my yard up already. So, you, so other than running through the yard, then what would you do for the moles?
0: Stab them with the pitchfork. <laughs> this is a weird gear, though, and I should have taken pictures, and now that I say that, I may. The ice of the, the, we had too much ice in the back by the bat shed. When it just went away, I walked out and looked at the grass. The mole had come up out of the mole hole and tunneled on the surface. So his he actually had a path in the in the and he and all the grass is gone. Trails under the snow. So he was seen that before in my life. Killed no, all the freaking grass. He has trails in the what's now the yard covered up with the snow. So either it was he needed to come up to get air, but uh, never saw what he's under my yard before.
1: No, I haven't seen that. That's not I, I've seen mouse trails between the snow and the grass, but I've never seen the moles come up and, and do that.
0: Yes. This guy has been everywhere. Yeah. But I'm going to get him. He, he
1: must go. I'm, pit, I'm picturing Bill Murray and Caddyshack.
0: <laughs> I have probably the only one in my neighborhood who has actually caught a mole in a rat trap that was a baby. Now, how the hell he got in my garage, I don't know. And I have no idea where he came from.
1: Well, they get all over. Well, I,
0: I did catch one last year. He had just come up, turned around, and go back in the hole. I grabbed him by the tail, believe it or not. <laughs> and my daughter said, I can't believe he just fell in the hole that way. Uh, I'd, I'd rather get the ones that are about big as a small puppy because I think that's what's living under my yard.
1: <laughs> they can get big. Somebody told me that the big ones are actually called voles.
0: There's two varieties, voles are the type. I know they can do over 21 foot a day.
1: Yeah, I believe that. I, they they go crazy in my yard. I had And I've told this story before in the podcast where – there's one spot in my yard I decided I was going to keep good, and that's where they all decided they wanted to go. And tear it up they did. Well,
0: did get, have go, you seen the one that you, you walk around with a propane tank on your back, you find the mohole, and you just oh, put propane the, in there for X number of seconds? The, The, uh, second.
1: the well, I think they call that one the rotinator?
0: All I know is the, the videos are awesome, but if I did it around here, I'd probably have Homeland Defense here in about five seconds. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, what I've always wondered is... What happened like in in your neighborhood, it could easily because what 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 to describe for listeners what he's talking about is imagine you got a propane tank on your back you've got this nozzle, you stick the nozzle in the ground, you fill the mold tunnels with propane, and then you ignite them and it it blows up and you, in the videos you see, there'll be this long trail, and it will blow up like, you know, military engagement, blowing up mines.
0: And it does shake your house, and it does make a big boom. I it could would just, be awesome. I'd love to do it.
1: It would be neat. But I could just picture you know, you filling up your neighbor's basement with propane. <laughs>
0: yeah, that would be my luck. That would be my luck. <laughs> you know,
1: you, you, you get about three trails gone plus uh, the neighbor's house. But, hey, you he always wanted a bigger yard.
0: I have the biggest yard in the neighborhood.
1: That'd be even bigger. <laughs> <laughs> of course, then you trade in the big yard and house for the little tiny cell, so it yeah. may not be worth it.
0: Well, I liked your advertisement today. We're going to really have some raw. is what you're saying. Our presentation that's going to be raw. You mean like adult raw?
1: <laughs> raw, raw is what I I say when it's before it's edited. So that's a raw feed. Oh, okay. So that's why it's showing up raw. I'd like to thank everybody who's in the chat room. We had a few who showed up early. We have Surfer George. We have Lee. We have Vanessa the mermaid. So if you're I not getting like that.
0: In- that sounds so neat.
1: Yeah, i love that.
0: I need a picture, of course.
1: Yeah. Well, I just, if, if
0: she doesn't know that, if she's been on our, our website, she'll know that mermaids are one of my specialties. I or, like mermaids. Or weaknesses. Or weaknesses. I mean, I may be a a D-O-M, but what can I say? You know what that is, of course.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. But I, I found a really, really sweet one there at Our World Underwater, and I uh, was pleased to find another one uh, at when we went to the one in uh, Ann Arbor.
1: Yes, which we'll get to a little bit later in the show. You'll be able to fill us all in on that. But first, we'll go ahead and clear out the news. So we'll jump in. Uh, we got uh, a, good, a reasonable amount of articles this week. We'll, we'll move them along. Dive operators demand banned on foreign vessels. This one is out of the Bahamas. Uh, the top Bahami, Bahamian Bohemian dive operators yesterday demanded that the government stop issuing charter permits to rival foreign vessels. And they said, this is due to the minuscule tax contributions and unfair competition to represent. And if you remember, it seems like we've had this one comes up about every six months. So I don't know if they just like reissue the letter each time. Uh, the letter was written as response to a missive by a Captain W. Scott Smith of the U.S. registered Dolphin Dream vessel, reprimanding him that reminded him that foreign owned vessels do not have more rights in the nationals waters than bohemian counterparts. So it sounds like it's a little bit of a of a tiff going on here between the foreign vessels and the local vessels.
0: Sounds like there's a tax advantage in being a foreign-owned vessel.
1: Well, you, they're assuming that the foreign-owned vessel pays no taxes at all, while the Bohemian vessel or uh, vessel uh, chartered in Bahamas is is paying local tax, which is true, but uh, the, the foreign vessel, I'm assuming, is paying tax. So what they're doing is they say they talk about paying as much as $0.08, cents 8% on the gross sale of Operation Bahamas, yet this is minuscule compared to the Bahamas is required to pay to operate their own country.
0: Well, from that aspect, it sounds like it's unfair.
1: Yep, they said, uh, in other words, they're sinking a complete ban in any foreign-owned and based dive boats operating. Let's well, see, because if it was about being fair, they would want it equaled. They just want them outright ban. This sounds like they want a monopoly.
0: Well, and, that's why if you're smart and you have the money, you buy into a... Bohemianese, and have him operate your boat for you.
1: Yeah, if that was the case. They said that liverboards are largely evading the 4% charter fees they should be paying on their gross revenues, plus the weekly $50 per diver fee. They say this means that such boats are contributing nothing to the economy, while simultaneously taking revenues and jobs away from legitimate Bohemian operators by undercutting them on price. I have a hard time believing that a foreign operator is going to be cheaper than a Bahama vessel.
0: Well, I'm already looking at four percent plus fifty bucks, so it's like interesting. Uh, where do they buy the gas? Do they go inland and get gas or food, well, or do I, they just leave the American toil, Well, the I, I, trip and come back without spending any money. I'm
1: I'm pretty sure that's possible. I mean, yeah, you could do that fun. if you had a big enough vessel. You've got a yeah tanks on those or several thousand gallon tanks. You could you could easily make it in, and you're probably shopping yeah. around fuel for fuel.
0: Yeah, if you're talking livable
1: Yep, they say we pay custom clearance fees, $20 departure tax, 4% gross sales tax, $50 per head scuba tax, and our annual 1875 permit fee, all adding up to over 8% of our gross sales. They said the Dolphin Dream pays over 50000 a year to the Bahamas government, and I'm sure the gross sales are, are much less than uh, Stewart's Cove's. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not trying to...
0: Well, what are the territorial waters there, 5 miles or 10 and how far off are the uh, shallows for the reefs and stuff? I'm looking at the other values down here. If any other foreign dive operation would like to bring their boat to the Bahamas and surrender the registration, it's quite involved what they would have to do. Yeah,
1: yeah, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't have the information. But it seems like it's got the Bahamas worked up. So the let, let's see that maybe the maybe the truth is in the chatting at the end. I
0: was looking under the comments. Did you go there?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm that's what I'm looking at now.
0: Yeah. Of course, the people online can't see what we're doing here.
1: but No, uh, <laughs> no, it's super exciting as we read.
0: I'm sure this same situation applies to every other port, places that would have diver tourism. So how it's handled other other places.
1: Yeah. Well, here's one that somebody says. It says, All countries allow yachts and cruise lines to offer water sport activities. If we ban this, we'll seriously hurt tourism. It's a bad situation, but it's also... Standard operating procedure worldwide. Cruise ships today are being built with full marinas on board specifically to exploit water sport revenues. Most yachts carry water sport equipment on board. It's just not an easy thing to fix. Yeah. So what it sounds like is the dive operators are upset, but probably the governments are looking at it. Well, yeah, the dive operators are being hurt. But if the cruise ship chooses another port, how much do they lose in tourism revenue.
0: And then most of the people on those boats go to shore. They don't all dive.
1: Right. Yeah. yeah. And then Halcyon, down there in Florida, has now got room to grow. They have just completed uh, construction on a new facility. They had been leasing their location, and there are. Let's see what what's where are they at uh, as far as town. I Want to say Jackson? And they said the uh, Halcyon Manufacturing is in High Springs in 1996. It was formed, started with two rebreathers, the dives that scrubbed uh, carbon dioxide and add fresh oxygen. To air today, Halcyon offers a full range of diving equipment. Company moved from a 12,000 square foot leased space into a 26,000 square foot warehouse it had built in the High Springs Industrial Park. They said the new facility gives Halcyon the space it needs for growing line of dry suits, plus room to grow for the next decade. I don't know. Do you have any Halcyon equipment? No, I do not. I don't think I do either. I mean, I reckon I certainly recognize the brand.
0: Yes. Well, hopefully they'll grow and the. uh Opportunities for expansion will increase, meaning more divers may enter the water.
1: And then uh, the Curico Ports Authority has started a major project of removing a shipwreck from the Richard Bordeaux from the, oh, here's here's the name I can slaughter, Perian, Pereira, and Port Wilmstad to make room for development. The general cargo ship, which was built in 1950, has been lying on port since, lying in the port since 1980. The name of that appears in the wreck is Prince of Malta, which was painted on it, painted on it back in 1993 when the ship was used in a movie, Curico, that was filmed there. The movie, which aired on Showtime, uh, starred George C. Scott and is available online if you're interested. The dismantling of the Richard Bordeaux will take a couple of months to be finalized.
0: It's a pretty ragged-looking wreck, and it's not on the bottom, and it's floating. So I'm yeah. not sure where they get the historic from, though.
1: Well, everybody says that. It was in a movie. It's historic. That other picture shows a, more than just that vessel, though, doesn't it? Like it they've sounds got a,
0: like there's a lot of stuff in the background.
1: Yeah, it looks like there's a bunch of stuff just... And that's what some of these locations had done in the in the days of old. Vessels would just be parked along the shore and right away, which we did the same thing up here. Just ours tended to be wood. And then the first images of the sunken van divers discovered in uh, South Beijing, an empty minivan... Was found in the bottom of a spring southwest of Beijing, where the local residents were unaware of how it possibly got there. The van was discovered by divers in Beijing, the the Sino Scuba organization, during the summer of 2014. It was lying on its side in about 17 meters of water. The vehicle is in a location that is referred to as the well. The natural spring is a popular site for local men is occasionally used for training by local scuba divers. Since last summer, the van's windshield was smashed, revealing an empty interior. Saturday's dive was the first opportunity to photograph the site. Given the level of aquatic growth, divers estimate the vehicle had only been there for about two years at most. Nobody knows how the van ended up there in their favorite swimming hole. The well is not near any major road. The van's location on the east side makes it ending up there even stranger. Low brick wall blocks direct driving access into the well on the southern side and other obstacles will prevent even the most careless driver from accidentally falling in. And they said items that they recovered in their dive was three full mannequins, one male, two female, three pair of swim goggles, one pair of glasses, a file cabinet, and a fortune god statue. It's like everything they took out of the water, I'm going to guess, was put there intentionally.
0: Uh, I think the vehicle was also sounded like it was Death. maneuvered in such a fashion to be put there for something to dive on because it's used for a... I main hole for divers.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm guessing too. So
0: I left it alone. I didn't put the mannequins in the In the bin, <laughs> they could be
1: where they got them. Yeah, because yeah. well, well, it's the every every dive spot that I know of has to have the mannequin or the skeleton. Those are acquired.
0: And if if you're in low biz, both of those can scare you, especially if they oh. got wet you
1: Yeah. Hey, Corey, they had a they had a mannequin in a dry suit, and that scared the crap out of me. Lake with...
0: 16 had the skeletons in the boat, and then not one mannequin that was uh, scant scantily appareled. Yeah, but if you come up on one of those with a skeleton inside of a wood suit, and you turn around and go, "Whoa," This makes ske- you look on that regulator a bit. The,
1: the skeleton gives you a jolt, but you know that can't be real. But the mannequins, you know, there's been a few times I've had to poke them a few a few moments to make sure it wasn't a person.
0: And I, I just remember Bob coming up to me and said, "Hey, Mac, you want to go down and see if that's a mannequin or not?" <laughs>
1: and it wasn't. You know. Yeah, yeah, it was just thinking the same thing. Mm-hmm. It'll never be the same. So I'm going to say we got a 10 percent hit rate of it being a person now.
0: Spider blocks.
1: There's a housing project for fish. And what they're what they're doing is they're taking the and making these objects called spider blocks. During the past four years, volunteers have placed 340 habitat structures in Henry Haig Lake near Forest Grove. And the reason they did this is they said that this lake, when it was flooded, only had one tree they called the Crappy Tree. And eventually it was considered to be a navigation hazard, and they pulled that out, so there was nothing for the fish to take refuge in. So the divers have come up with it. It's a 50-pound concrete block, and they have black PVC pipes coming out of it. That looked like legs of a giant gangly spider. They said, uh, we need to do it because the lake is devoid of structures. Before they put the dam in, they cut everything down and just left bare ground. The need for structures for fish is to, for cover is illustrated by the lone tree trunk that uh, remained in the lake when it first filled in 1975. Said in their their quote, and one winter several years ago, the infinite wisdom of the Bureau of Reclamation, they decided that it was a navigation hazard and cut it down. They they're saying the fish don't waste any time moving into the spider blocks. What I thought was kind of neat was those pictures where you see those little arches. Said a photo taken a screen of fish finder. And did you see that the the, the side scan there? That's yeah. a ni- that's a nice little shot.
0: But they don't give me the impression of spiders.
1: No, I, I think it's kind
0: of. attach themselves to it, and you've got that, uh, you know, how the weeds and stuff get over the objects and sh- give it a, a blossomy effect. Because uh-huh. the spider legs themselves would not give a good habitat unless it's got covered on something, because the big fish can still get in for the little fish. Yeah. And that's what I'm, they, these are different than most of the ones they use up here, which are, you know, like log blocks, mm-hmm. cartons and stuff that fish can go into and hide, the little ones, hide from the big fish. So this is different.
1: They said the concrete and center blocks are relatively inexpensive and they've gotten grants from the Fish and Wildlife Restoration Enhancement Program to pick up the tab for the most expensive pipe. I can't picture the pipe being that expensive.
0: I don't see that. I don't see that in the pictorials unless the center part is the pipe and the legs come out and it's filled with concrete or it goes into a block.
1: No, the legs are pipe. That's the a black legs are pipe. The, Yeah, the black the legs are I would say one inch black uh, what do they call that? black PVC? pipe that's not pvc it's like a butane a butth uh crap i'm not coming up with the right name right now pvc no i don't think it's pvc it's not pvc it's a different material uh i, I know
0: the, i know what you're talking about though now that you say that
1: yeah because it, it, it comes in a spool uh, that's what i use that's what i use to run water from the house here out to barns and hydrants yeah. and other things and you get it it's it's real inexpensive you can buy you know 500 feet for you know, a couple hundred bucks at least when I bought it last. So only at yeah, fifty cents a foot, and it's it's real durable. It's not the pecs, but it's a it's a pretty heavy duty stuff. So what they do they do is they they cast these into the concrete. So you got these little legs. They said two divers will or two divers, two people will grab them, put them in a truck, and then they flip them in the water. They're talking about having scuba divers go in the summer and get some photos. So we'll keep an eye out for that. To during the late spring, the GPS coordinates will be used to target sites for scuba divers to go down and photograph the blocks in action. And they said they've shared the GPS coordinates with uh, other fishermen so they can take advantage of the program. Which, if you got a side scan, it seems like I would pick it up. You see that one photo? It does kind of look like a, looks more like a fern.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: But I'm for that. I like that. Uh, I'm not too sure I'd really be too keen on the plastic. But. And then we have, did we talk about this wreck last week? The Lake Michigan's upside-down shipwreck sank 75 years ago. The SF's William B. Davick had capsized in a storm November 11th, 1940, sank 210 feet below the surface of Lake Michigan, landing upside down. Uh, the landing and the murkiness of the water made investigations difficult. Divers have finally been able to get to the wreck this last fall and get some good images. It had been uh, rediscovered several, time, several times most recently by divers in 1972 investigations why it sank. They deemed it was all but impossible, mostly to the murkiness of the water. So I think this was, yeah, MSRA, the Michigan Shipwreck Research Association, uh, got a clear day, took photos, and they determined that the wreck was caused by uh, breaking of the rudder. So the waves are so strong, must have snapped the rudder's connection, at which point it swung far over that it struck the propeller. With no power steering, the Davic would have been at the mercy of the storm. With 75-mile-per-hour winds, 30-foot waves, and rain turning to snow is one of the most disastrous days in history in the lake, Great Lakes shipping. Uh, you know, Once you get a ship like that with the waves breaking over it in the side, it doesn't take too long for it to go down. I said another car- uh, cargo ship, the SS&C Minch, also went down along with 24 aboard while several other ships were damaged and ran aground.
0: Yeah, the Minch is a lot shallower, and so is the Nova Dock also in the same area but they're in less than 60 feet of water
1: yeah 210 that's 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 like one of those tempting depths that'd be a good tech dive for uh Bob
0: it'd be a good tech dive but like you say it's been visited many times over the years the major difference is you got a good scan of it now
1: yeah well that image did you see that did they say who took that image that was that was done by divers I think
0: i I'm not sure
1: yeah they've they've got uh they've got a good tech diver on that on the team. Thank they God. have several. Yeah. Jeff Voss is one. I've I've heard his name several times uh, doing some of the deeper dives. So the MSRA was motivated to delve deeper in investigating uh, the DAVIC and the waters of Lake Michigan. As the waters have started to clear, we decided to give it a shot. Divers didn't even use a light for the discovery. It's kind of hard to believe somebody wouldn't have been out there before they went out. but
0: I'm sure they that was dull earlier than what they said.
1: That's 74. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, I'm, I'm sure a lot of these have been dove. It just—it's not one that you hear come up. Do they have the? See, these are ones I want to get uh, numbers on. This one should be. This is well, it's deeper than the preserves. It should be out there.
0: Yeah, you know, look at it though. Other than it, it's the bottom of a wreck, other than the prop and the rudder, generally, what's attractive about it? No, it's
1: just a, it's another wreck to dive on.
0: Oh, true, but I'm just saying, if you had your choice, you're going to go on one that's on the side. Or something different, so you can actually do some penetration, yeah. run around. Yeah,
1: it's it's a good size. I mean, you look, when you look at that freighter. do they say how long that
0: was? Uh, they may have. I didn't pay attention to that part.
1: No, they they haven't. I, if you go on the MSRA website, I bet you they've got the the details. But I'm going to guess it's in the hundred plus foot range, like maybe 130, 160, somewhere in there. So let's see. It's I th- I think the uh, MSRA has got a show coming up here. Is that this weekend?
0: Yes. Uh, They mentioned that at the club meeting the other night. And this is part of what that next article you had is on. uh, The Knickerbocker. Yeah. Up in Grand Rapids. That's your next article, by the way.
1: Yep. The uh, MSRA is going to focus a presentation on the mystery of the griffin. Did they find it too? (laughs) (laughs) The the mystery of the Great Lakes' most famous shipwreck, the griffin, they said may have been uh, solved more than a century ago, which we've talked a a few episodes before about. And I think that's what they're just gonna present. They're gonna present all the history of what's already been discovered and speculated and lay that out to to people who wanna listen. So let's see, when is the show? Uh will be twenty first, which is Saturday at the Knickerbocker Theater. Uh Holland author Craig Rich will be will delve in the tragic story of the eighteen forty seven loss of the steamship Phoenix. On Lake Michigan that carried two hundred that killed nearly two hundred Dutch immigrants, many of whom have ties to West Michigan today. Program runs from seven to nine thirty, and tickets are available on uh, MichiganShipwrecks.org. 1250 in advance or fifteen dollars at the door. We recommend you get them in advance because they have been known to sell out. Yeah,
0: I am curious though how she can claim that uh, she's going to set the record straight on the details of the Upper Great Lakes first shipwreck. Oh, the Griffin? Yeah. She's yeah. one of the speakers at the program. Yeah. Ballard is going to be talking of the storm of 1940, which is results of what you just read about right above a few minutes ago. Yep. That uh, was some there. It just shows you the gales of November, some of the biggest ones. Yeah, November's so that, are in November
1: November's a bad month, bad month for shipping because you you still think you've got good weather, but when it comes in, it's bad. Everybody's trying to sneak in last few loads of the season. A lot of times the normal crews have already been let go, and you're bringing in family members and friends.
0: Yeah, thinking about the Chikora.
1: Yep, which we'll find this year. I think I think that I think that one's destined to be found. This will be the season for it. A
0: well, lot of them are still so interested in 2501. Either of them will be interesting.
1: Well, I think what we're going to do is we're going to find that 2501 is going to be wedged into the hall of the Chikora. <laughs>
0: I figure when you find it, you're gonna you're gonna find four engines in the tail. <laughs> that sucker disintegrated.
1: Yeah, I I think that the bits and pieces of that have been so small, they're either out at a depth where it's going to be really hard to get. But then think about it, like the the clay banks that we have discovered. Yeah. Recently, if it was in one of those, you wouldn't find that in the side scan. No, yeah. you
0: would pick up the magnetometer though.
1: Yeah, you could. And then another shipwreck show that's also coming up, they have one that starts on Friday, March 20th. This one is in Minnesota, the Upper Midwest Scuba Adventure Travel Show. Well, that's a little bit out of our travel radius. Uh, If you happen to be in Minnesota, you want to take a look at it. Friday starts off with a movie night, and then uh, the 21st, it goes 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. It's held at the Doubletree Hilton in Minneapolis North. Brooklyn Center, Minnesota. Cost is ten dollars online, fifteen dollars at the door, five dollars student admission, and there's a thirty-nine ninety-five banquet dinner available. And the Friday one, the beverage—you you can uh, adjoin beverages from the cash bar.
0: Woo-hoo. <laughs> Better bring your own cow and drink milk. Yeah, or goat.
1: <laughs> or goat milk. <laughs> and how about this? I want one of these. Pro Bass? Yes, Pro Bass is uh, putting in a little little tank. Officials unveil the new details for the museum, the aquarium at Bass Pro Shops. It says, after closing for renovation six years ago, anticipation has been building for the Wonders of Wildlife complex on the Bass Pro Shops campus in Springfield. On Wednesday, members of the media were offered a sneak peek at the facility, which is scheduled to open next spring. We are looking at the cylinder acrylic. Cylinder about 30 feet tall, about 20 feet in diameter. The room itself is basically themed the notion of artificial reefs. Uh, The company that had been working in the aquarium had uh, created a mold for the 315,000 square foot facility into the world-renowned educational experience and conservation area. It's called America Wildlife Museum and Aquarium. Inside the galleries, visitors can see a journey of the 86,000-gallon aquarium featuring Red Emperor's. Uh, coral trout and long nose unicorn fish, among others, the fish live amongst a shipwreck that showcases how creatures adapt to the environment.
0: That's a big, tall drink of water at 1.3 million gallons and 35,000 yeah. fish. Yep, yeah, it's a. Uh, that breaks, you're going to have a hell of a fish fry. Yeah.
1: Well, the, 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 it's a mile long network of aquariums that holds all that water. It says you're not just going to look at the exhibits, visitors are going to be in the exhibits. The whole component of this is where you're walking through swamps, you're walking through the Ozarks, you're walking through the Amazon. The whole idea is to make an emotional connection between the visitors and aquatic life. On Wednesday, the International Game Fish Association announced it will move its Interactive Fishing Hall of Fame and associate exhibits in Florida to the new Springfield Museum. They said since 1998, we've had 105,000, no, 105, not 5,000, 105 outstanding men and women enshrined in the Hall of Fame for extraordinary achievements in recreational fishing, conservation, science, and literature. They said the facility was was funded with roughly 20 million in private concert, private donations, and another two and a half million in pledges over the last five years. Now, is that Springfield, Illinois? Is that what they're talking about?
0: That's what I was trying to figure out. The they say
1: Ozarks Public Radio, which to me would be missouri wouldn't it
0: that was the other part because you got a springfield missouri
1: yeah i'm gonna think that's a springfield missouri which darn it if it was springfield illinois I would, that's on my way to some of my travel but springfield missouri i i'd have to figure out how to get down there but i'd, I'd like to go and see it i love that tank that big tube and it looks like they've got like a what would you call that a tower from a ship
0: yeah looks like your crow's nest there at the bottom and or at the top and then a the bigger one at the bottom don't really know
1: what the nomenclature for that is. Yeah, I'm I'm guessing it was just what they thought looked cool. It does look cool. Yeah, I don't believe that was an actual shipwreck. I think they just said, hey, what do you think of when you think of these things? And then while we're at it, there's another aquarium. This one's at the Mall of America. They've been working on a project there since October. They didn't close it down during construction, but they're just finishing up the construction now. So it is called the Stingray Tank. 12,000-gallon pool, two-and-a-half times the size of the original. The main component is a $2.2 million expansion project. Visitors to the mall can touch and feel stingrays, including cow nose, Atlantic, and southern species. The new larger Pacific Northwest touch pool has sea anemones, sea cucumbers, starfish, and cold-water fish. The project also includes a shipwreck exhibit with schooling sardines.
0: If you click on the link, it goes to pictures. Uh The second picture is pretty nice. It's got a shipwreck exhibit with cannons and everything. That's pretty cool.
1: That is nice. The shipwreck uh, greets visitors at the entrance featuring schooling sardines.
0: Yeah. Picture number six, you can also see behind the stingray pool, you can see the bow of the boat there.
1: Oh, I see what they did with the boat. The boat's kind of, it's more just to make a little bit of visual appeal. Yeah. Stingrays. looks like something out of uh, Disney's Finding Nemo. Mm Mm-hmm. Come on, kids. But uh, nice, nice-looking place. Not that I ever get to Minnesota, but if I did, I'd take a peek. See, these things, these exhibits, the, f- the first thing I think of both of these is can we go diving in them?
0: For, for a price? I bet you, for a good donation, I bet you can. <laughs>
1: if you give them enough money, they'll Sell let enough. you in. Uh, you know, I bet you're right. Everything has a price. And then we have a quick product review, something I've been looking into Recently, in the last couple months, is everybody's familiar with GoPro, but there's about a dozen other companies who are making action cameras. GoPro made their name on having the inexpensive cameras that would go everywhere, and now other companies are undercutting them. Uh, The most recent one is called the Z-Blaze iShot One action camera. And I want to look into this for everything it's got. The price, which they had at the end, had it listed at just under $100.
0: Really, this one?
1: Yes, I mean, look at all those yeah. accessories: uh, the camera, the housing, a watch band that acts as a remote, uh, a variety of different mounts, Velcro, charger, charger cable. But the only complaint they were having was that the the memory stick was underneath the battery, which, yeah, okay, just a little bit more you got to take out the remote. If you had it on video and you hit the one of the buttons, it would turn it to f- to uh, photo mode. And there was the only way to get back to video mode was to go and manipulate the camera directly. It's got a, a 1050 milliamp lithium-ion battery. It gives about two hours of shooting at 1080p. It supports 32 gigabyte SD cards.
0: LED lights is the first time I've seen those.
1: Yeah. So here, here's what they're saying is that the price, and I'm a, it doesn't say if that's those are available attachments or if those are included, but it's $115. So I'm certainly gonna put this on my short list to take a look at. I was looking at another one, um, uh, which was a another Chinese company and they had an action cam and it was under uh sixty dollars. Uh, the only thing is it didn't have an underwater housing. And that
0: dollars. One, that, you know, for a cheap and dirty, and if I lose it I'm I'm not gonna to cry too bad.
1: Right. Wow. Yeah, that's that's what I'm thinking. I'm looking at this. I, I I've got a few <clears throat> uh video show ideas that I wanna take and do this year. And they're all multi-camera shoots, so I want to have eight, ten cameras to get the shots. But with something like this, you can do it. The only thing is, I is as I like to see how the lenses are. Sometimes they do that fisheye to such an extent. I know I can, you know, correct out of that, but I don't really care for it.
0: That that'll be interesting to look at. I'll tell you that. Yeah. That's a, that's a good one to review.
1: Yeah. So let's take a look. So that does it for scuba in the news. And let's see. Since last week on the show, we had another uh, scuba show that was going on. You went to the—I mean, we always call it the Ford Seahorses, but what's the official name?
0: The Great Lakes Shipwreck Festival.
1: Yes, and it sounds like you had a good time there.
0: Uh, I really enjoyed that one. Uh, I usually go based on what kind of uh, presentations are going to have, and. I mean, I like Sheprex as much as anybody, but I'm also a junk diver. You know, I like to, And I'm never going to get to the warm blue waters of the Caribbean or Cancun or any of those places. I understand that spoils you, though. I mean, you know, something about visibility, warm, and colorful fish. They say once you've done that, something about brown water, (laughs) ice, and something else doesn't compete. And I don't want to go there and get ruined. Oh, he'll ruin you. Yeah. So they had their normal photo ones, Dive the World. That's basically travel. Um, Great Lakes Main Auditorium, a lot of those are shipwrecks. And I like the technical educational seminars. And I spent my time in those. Uh, regulator freezing, why and what not to do. Now, of course, if you're out in the southern waters, you have no idea mean, what, what up here. It's it's commonplace. Uh, they had a good article, a good presentation on solo versus buddy diving. So I went uh, to listen to see what their uh, comments are. It wasn't quite what I expected, but it was still interesting looking at somebody else's perspective. The one that really was popular was 10 Things My Instructor Didn't Teach Me, and that was done by Rich Sinowicz.
1: Yeah. yeah, Rich Sinowicz of uh, Divers Incorporated and Divers Sync Podcast.
0: Now, he had a full house. The presentations like that, they're, they're many. They're 45 minutes. Well, he finished his 45 minutes, and he said, anybody wants to go, go, cause I'm going to talk to the kick-me-out. And he talked another <laughs> half hour until they kicked him out. Did they and They, they, they did literally
1: kick him out? They had the well, guards? They had the
0: uh, next presentation. <laughs> uh, they need I to have the rich.
1: Had, let's petition for the rich Senuic room next year. Well, then,
0: basically, they had, they had an hour break, so he carried over into that hour break. But nobody left because there was nothing startling, startling, but they were really good points he was making. And the, the you know, the reference you use, you know, everybody could appreciate because you either been there, done that, or you were the one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, like the, you know, the swim of shame and stuff like that. Uh, it was good. I enjoyed it. One of the weird ones I went to, I didn't think I was going to enjoy as much because you had talked about it the uh, land bridges in Lake Huron. Yes. And yeah. they were doing the caribou hunts. Well, this one elaborated on that and they actually showed these scans and then they explained the scans, and they had a model of what it looked like 10,000 years ago. So I couldn't figure out how you're going to herd these caribou underwater. It was interesting. Key item there is some of the objects we've been seeing out there probably are ancient, meaning they were structures made by man thousands of thousands of years ago. Because those buildings they said they had at the cul-de-sac where they herded the caribou in, basically, those were big rocks stacked on top of each other. And you can imagine them putting a a skin or some kind of covering over the top to make a shelter. And when you put it that way, when they say, well, I had a house, they didn't mean a house, they meant shelter. And then it made more sense. Uh, One of the bones they found out there, they did a carbon 14, it was 10,000 years old, looked like it was left there yesterday. It was amazing. It it was fun. Uh, Legends of the Lost Lakes. This was one I hadn't seen before. What this gentleman did was he's an artist and uh, he pictures of boats that had sank and or big boats that didn't sink but his colors are exactly based on the paint samples of a wreck and or of uh, the file copy you know it says it's made of dye red number three or whatever he made this but the way he did his slide presentation was he sort of like did a picture and then he did a small and you moved it over the, over the picture as he was discussing uh, aspects of the particular wreck the effect was very very good as opposed to just showing a, sh- a picture of a, a boat and then talking. As he talked, he panned it through the boat to point out features. It was very, very good. Really enjoyed it. Uh, Ralph Wilbanks, everybody knows him from New Mind, Clyde Kessler. He goes to this almost every year. This presentation was We Did Not Find a Saul Ship Either, <laughs> which was pretty funny. And uh, they had another Great Lakes Ancient Shores and the sinkhole. I didn't go to that, I went to GoPro to show pro and i was hoping to get some good tips on how to use the gopro and he did some good comparisons of it and some other cameras but i was looking more of how to go ahead and do video clips and snippets but still very enjoyable so yes i had a good time and the mermaid was there was very very attractive and uh i enjoyed myself i think everybody i took a bunch we did a road trip and everybody went found something they liked
1: yeah, I'm, there, there's going to be some day I'm going to hit these shows. It's like it seems like I can go a month in the middle of winter and not have anything going on, and then I have three events every day opposite these shows.
0: Yeah, and we I guess the schedule and then we go. Yep, yeah,
1: I, I liked it when you were talking about the the caribou and that that funnel because mm-hmm. uh, it made it much more practical. So when you just read the article in a newspaper, it really didn't make a lot of sense.
0: Well, they were talking about caribou, cows, and a few other items that if you actually went out and painted a line on a flat surface, they won't pass that line. They won't go past the line. They'll go parallel to it. Yeah. And, and... and knowing that, they were setting big blocks of, of concrete, not concrete, but rocks. And that's what those pictures showed. And they just kept making it narrow and narrow until they put it into a cul-de-sac. And it's like, that makes sense. And those guys are not dumb. But the other part is that looks like the tundra from the Antarctic. Very inhospitable during the winter, and it was a you know small part of the season. People would be up there. Hard life. Got to be a hard life.
1: Yeah. Well, anytime you can take advantage of your environment to feed yourself and your family, uh, yeah. you'll certainly do that. Because those who figure it out survive. Those who don't, don't. Yep. Well, excellent. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that show worked out. And then there's another show uh, in Ohio, isn't theres is that Well, one? actually,
0: I went to, last week was Ghost Ships. That was in Wisconsin.
1: Oh, Ghost Ships, too. Okay.
0: Ghost Ships was, again, I like Ghost Ships because it's tech diving. Um, the stuff you have at Our World and you will have down there at, at the Shipwreck Festival, this is more techie-oriented. And quite often when they do their presentations, they will do it on newer wrecks, like Just Got Discovered. So you, you've heard it here first, people, that kind of stuff. And it's one of the few places that you can go to, again, this year. It was a presentation on rebreathers, and you could check them out in the pool. And I'll cost you a couple of more shekels, but you're talking 50 or 60 bucks. Well worth your time and effort to get the background on, on rebreathers, if you're, even if you're a novice at it, and then go to the pool and try them out. And if you've never tried one, but a key item I found when I did mine years and years ago was it's quiet. It's freaking, Oh, it is. it's suddenly like, wait a minute, what am I missing? And then you realize, you don't hear any bubbles.
1: It's quiet. Oh, it's, it's nice. It's warmer because you're, you're not breathing in cold air that's just come out of compression.
0: Yeah, that's why Bob likes it, especially in the winter, keeps his body a lot warmer. Yeah. So they had that, you know, and they had, you know, how to, VIPN inspections, how to uh, do your uh, magniflexing on the necks of certain di- uh, certain tanks. But again, the shows are always what draws the majority of people. Uh, I think they basically only have one major room and they have big presentations by big speakers. And uh, I spent my time in there. And again, towards the Great Lakes is what they're looking at, so in our backyard. Uh, they started out with shipwreck graveyard, exploring the Westmoreland shipwreck hunting workshop. Now that one you had to pay for, and that one was a more of a workshop seminar uh, of how to use certain side scans, how to interpret them, and uh if that's what you plan on doing that's the kind of class you need to go to
1: yeah, Any time uh, you can get information on on doing that,
0: yep well. Uh, and it's always nice when you, you read about something and it's like, like the one I went to was Lake Huron's depth ship, the steamer Puabic. And You know, that's the one that was loaded with copper. And I knew something about the Poabic because I used to go to the uh, salvage committee meetings back in the 70s in Lansing. And I happened to be at the meetings where this guy was trying to present his case to go ahead and do some salvage on it, which was easier to do back in those days. And they actually talked about some of the events and it's like, oh, I knew about that. I was there. So I I sort of enjoyed that, and the copper ingots are awesome. Sisters in the Storm, obviously you can tell where that's going to be. Shipwrecks in November. One that was good was Pioneer Shipwreck Hunters of the Great Lakes. And they started out by saying, all you guys have dove such and such a wreck, raise your hand. blah, blah, blah. He did that maybe five or six big wrecks. He said, okay, who found those wrecks? And, of course, then you have silence except for the people who knew. And then he started talking about, the guys, when they first started finding them in the 50s and 60s and 70s, in the heyday, when you didn't have your head Lore and you had your freaking compass, you know. And it was really good hearing about some of the old guys that some of them I know or know of. I don't know them personally. But it was really interesting listening to them, so, looking at some of the equipment they were using, like back in the old sea hunt days. You know, like BC? What's a BC? Yeah. First of all pressure Gates, what the heck is that? computer, they weren't in vivid. You know, it was interesting, you know, the, the double hose was the common, and these guys are, are diving 300 on air. <laughs> That's what these guys did. And there was a whole bunch of those guys, and there still are, that are still alive, even after doing that, what we now consider extremely foolhardy and stupid and dangerous. But then again, they thought that back then, too.
1: Yeah, they they knew it was, but they, they worked their way up to it. I don't think many of them were doing... Twenty feet one day, then three hundred the next. Yeah, they, they, but it
0: was really good. I enjoyed it. Uh, probably the thing I noticed at all these conventions this year and seminars, everybody's you're looking at the gray hairs and if you're female blue hairs. The cream of the crop. I mean, the majority of people are in their you know sixties. Fifty five is probably young. It was interesting looking at the people, and they're still diving. Yeah, but you don't see a lot of young people. I mean, seriously, you don't. But uh, good times. This weekend uh, is uh, Ohio Scuba Fest. That's in Columbus, as I recollect. Yes. 322 miles from here, in case you're interested. And uh, I looked at itinerary. It's a little bit of a repeat of some of the stuff I've done for the last couple of weekends. So I will forego that one. But I am sure if you go, you're going to have a lovely time.
1: And that will about finish it for the dive show season, at least for us in the Midwest.
0: Right. Canada's got some nice shows. So does New York. And of course, California. Yeah. But yeah, for our area. But it doesn't matter because the ice is gone. Rivers are opening up. You got no time to go out there. You got to hit the water.
1: It's dive time. I I want to be in Lake Michigan. I want to say it wasn't too long ago. And we were on Lake Michigan, like coming up this weekend, one year. And that seems so crazy to me.
0: If, if Bob were not working, we could probably get the Zodiac because oh. and go out, out the piers and then do an ice dive under the burn. Oh, that'd be great. Using your line tethered to the Zodiac so you don't get lost and can come back to where you started.
1: Yeah, the, old, the Zodiac makes the ideal dive float. You're not pulling that under.
0: No, you're not. No, you're not.
1: <laughs> you pull that under the water, then we've got a science fiction movie in the making.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So it is getting that time of the year. It is getting warmer. I mean, we had 60-degree weather this last weekend, and this weekend it's gonna it, it's about freezing every day now. So we're not building any more ice.
0: Yeah, it, we dove the other day in the river. Uh, we dove the uh, Poplar, not Poplar. Yeah, Poplar River. Duh. And uh, it's, it's still chilly. <laughs> uh, the, the major ice has gone off the shoreline, but it's still cool. Visibility is about 6 inches.
1: Why was visibility so bad? The runoff?
0: You got runoffs. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So it's it's diving season, people.
1: It is. Get your gear in if you don't have it in. You're starting to run out of time. You Now you're getting in with the rest of us all going, well, crap, we should have gotten it in by now. Yeah. So get your gear, get it serviced, get your vizs done because you don't want to miss out of that that dive in July because your, your viz is just expired. I am certainly ready. I want to get in. I'm going camping this weekend. So I won't be able to get a dive in to going over the Boy Scout troop, but
0: yeah, we're hitting the river again this weekend.
1: Nice.
0: I'll tell you about that later, though. It's a, it's, it's a fun one, but it's also a paying dive.
1: Oh, nice! Yeah. yeah, you get to you get double duty there. A little bit of motivation.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And then we also had the Mud Club meeting this week. Uh, the Michigan Underwater Divers had their monthly meeting, and yeah, uh, the
0: club site hasn't been updated to add some of the uh, events in yet. Some of them were identified on uh, Facebook, meaning you'll find pictures there, but we'll eventually update the uh, club site.
1: Yeah, and then, of course, that means that I'm going to have to update my site. <laughs> I'm looking, and what's, what's the last time I updated the website? That's got to be, this is scary.
0: We, we don't want to go to 2013. No, it's it's
1: been since 2013.
0: <laughs> it's got to be. You got a couple of years,
1: 2010, let me tell you. Oh, we've been doing this quite a while. I mean, today was episode
0: 234. Yep. Well, the podcast is current, but if you went to the site, you a little behind
1: there. Oh, my gosh. Episode 195. Yeah. That is March 27th. It's almost a year since I updated that damn thing. And that yeah. and that's not fair. I've updated other areas of the site, but the, the listing. So I have to get that done. I've got, yeah, I've got to get that. That's That's embarrassing. So we'll get that done. We're going to add some more news feeds to the list. Uh, What my thought is, is that if you sign up for one of our newsletters, then what you'll do is right before the show, you'll get a copy of the show notes so you can follow along and also save me from having to paste it into the chat room. And think of it, even if you don't listen to the show, you could uh, have your curated list of scuba news. Let's see. You got anything you want to plug, Mac?
0: Uh, then the to, to them, just a few local got Wolf's open house this weekend, free food, which is always a draw for me. Uh, but the dive shop's been prettied up and I think you'd be pleasantly surprised about some of the new gear they're trying to cover. Uh, you've still got the sportsman venture, uh, which is Saturday. Uh, club's going to be there for display some of the gear and, uh, you know, honk the horn for the club. That's over in of Elite. Yep. So those are probably the two majors that I know coming up, but again, that's for locals.
1: Yeah, for those who are in the area. So if you want to drop us a line, the show, whatever you like, you don't like, give us a, a some feedback. The show at com And as I've been saying, and it's probably got to be a year now. I've got ideas for things we're going to work on, but I'm just trying to get other obligations out of the way. But we'll we'll have some of those coming up. And then when we discover a shipwreck, then everything's all great too. <laughs> it's going to be this year. Now, what was that? What was that number that you said that uh, Trotter was saying? It took him how many hours of mowing the lawn?
0: It averaged a minimum of eighty hours to get a good target hit. Now that could be a, a you know a dinky wreck, big wreck, but eighty solid hours. You're talking two solid you know work weeks on a boat looking mowing the lawn, which is boring as blazes. Looking at a little itty bitty screen, and if you're by yourself trying to navigate, run lanes, and keep your eye on the screen, you're going to go crazy. And if there's two of them, you're both going to go crazy.
1: Yeah, and I actually thought that was a pretty good number. I'd, I'd say if you were hitting the target that checked out to be some sort of shipwreck, either small or large, at one every 80 hours, that's that's good good numbers.
0: But you look at all the hours we out there scanning, even by accident, if we get 10 a year, we're lucky. Yeah. Because normally you get in the boat, you go balls to the wall to get to the dive site and back. You're not scanning
1: I know, I want to get some boats out there and mowing the lawn. This, we'll dive and then play around. You have to have a day of just, we're not even going to get the water. In fact, that almost needs to be a rule. We're not going to get in the water.
0: i got too many projects for this year. Reed Lake is where I'm going to be a couple of weekends out there.
1: Uh they have got
0: two shipwrecks in there, plus I did a little research since it's winter. That's when you do your research. And uh, there's an amusement park that is huge, and it's lousy visibility. Only max depth is 52 feet in the whole thing. And that's got to be prime bottle hunting
1: place. I I bet you're right. I'll I'll let you break uh, the ground in and then <laughs> come and clean up after you. You know, when you got all those bottles all set up for me <laughs> to go and find. But I, I want to get out in the big lake this year. I want to do some mowing the lawn, like to get some of that in. Because I, I, there's got to be some, there's going to be some wrecks that we're going to go, oh, that's where that is.
0: It, I, I still want to find the bomber. You know, we know yep. we've got a good location. And the funny part is, when you find the bomber, you're probably going to stumble over the other airplane wreck on the way. Because if you go off 09 off the runway, you're doing an IFR landing coming in from Chicago, and that's where the plane was lost. It was on a, a lousy night. He's between X point and that runway. Yep. But he was on target when he disappeared. So well, it, there's another airplane there.
1: Well, it's another airplane, and I think there could be other things because that's you're you're in that you know where are things going to line up? They're going to line up to like you said, the airport if you're flying, or the pier. So it's got to be in that, that that general direction. Depending yeah. on how you're coming across the lake, you would be be in that area. So we'll 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 find them. We'll get some some numbers this year. This is we just got to put the time into it. And what what does it? So you use eighty hours on a boat that that hours translates into fuel.
0: Oh, yeah, and like I was talking to a couple of the older guys, we were talking uh, what software they're using to interpolate some of their data, and when he talks about, well, this part uh, cost me hundred grand, it's like those guys who are finding the wrecks have some sophisticated equipment. It ain't for the little peons like me. Yeah, Not to say you can't find it because there is one guy who has used nothing but a fish finder and has done very well, but he's got a nice technique now.
1: And, again, it's taking the time and learning.
0: Yeah, but, and having a boat.
1: <laughs> but we're getting that time where I, I technology's coming and that what was 100,000 15, 20 years ago should be less than 10,000 now.
0: Well, I'm looking at some. I have pictures of some of the sonars and finders that they were using. And one of the gentlemen who was finding a good number of wrecks, his, he had an ex-surplus Navy one that the Navy paid – millions for, he got it for a pittance. Yeah. Uh, But he had a big boat because that's what he needed to carry it. Yeah,
1: they're kind of large, aren't they?
0: Well, this one was, and there's another one I have a name. I won't bring it out, but it's 35 years old, also from the Navy. The transducer weighs 100 and something pounds, and it does a ping, but it can find a wreck half mile left and right of your boat. (laughs) Now, you put 80 hours in with that sucker, you probably – enabled yourself to find some targets.
1: Yeah. And the nice thing about that is to test that out, what I would do would take and make lines between known wrecks because then you get to validate. So you you head towards a known wreck, you let it find it, and then anything else you find along the way, you've got something to compare to.
0: Well, you know, in the old days, what you did, and will still work if you want to do it, you take two boats, each boat drags a grapple, And between the two boats, anchors, or grapples, you have a line. They towed. When they got the V, that means you caught something. And then you dove it. Yep. Sometime it wasn't. Oftentimes it was a wreck. Yeah.
1: I mean, that's a a valid way of doing it.
0: Cheap and effective.
1: Yep. Anything that rises up the bottom. And when you look at a lot of the Lake Michigan bottom, it looks just like sand, just flat sand, kind of like the desert. Well, let's see. I think we're getting to that time of the show.
0: I'm anticipating it. I All week I've been waiting for this.
1: Yeah. So make, make sure you stay subscribed to our iTunes feed. If you listen to us on iTunes, you're also on TalkShoe, show 73759. And then uh, you can catch us on the WRVO radio. Weekly we're streamed several times during the day and night. So if you like outdoor programming, including hunting, fishing, and scuba diving, you can listen to us there. So are you ready, Mac? Ever ready. Okay, here we go. The CIA had an opening for a scuba diving assassin. After all the background checks, interviews, and testings were done, there were three finalists, two men and a woman diver. For the final test, the CIA agents took one of the men to a large metal door and handed him a gun. We must know that you will follow instructions no matter what the circumstances. Inside the room, you will find your wife in a chair. Kill her. The man said, you you can't be serious. I could never shoot my wife. The agent said, then you are not the right man for this job take your wife and go home. The second man was given the same instructions. He took the gun, went into the room. All was quiet for about five minutes. The man came out with tears in his eyes. I tried, but I can't kill my wife. The agent said, you don't have what it takes. So take your wife and go home. Finally, it was a woman's turn. She was given the same instructions to kill her husband. So she took the gun, went into the room. Shots were heard one after another. Then they heard screaming and crashing and banging on the walls. After a few minutes, all was quiet. The door opened slowly, and there stood the woman, wiping sweat from her brow. This gun is loaded with blanks, she said. I had to kill him with a chair.
0: Uh, I like that one.
1: So it sounds like they they found somebody qualified.
0: Absolutely.
1: So (laughs) on that positive note, (laughs) go out there and get wet.
0: And stay safe. Recording has been completed.
1: Thank you in the chat room. Good turnout. We had some other ones. We had uh, Southwest Michigan. Not sure who that was. They're calling in on the phone.
0: What was his name?
1: Southwest Michigan. Oh. <laughs> it is the state or the or the part of the state.